Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. And heroes, this week we're rolling on with more Descended from the Queen content with my very own Oh Captain, My Captain. Captain, My Captain, for those who haven't listened to our episodes in the archives, is a Descended from the Queen game that I designed about a crew being led by a legendary captain with whom they have complicated relationships. I am currently searching for a publisher for this game, and I would like your help in finding one. Uh, Not for you to go around to different publishers and ask them uh, about my game on my behalf. No, I actually have a mailing list. If you head to bit.ly slash CaptainRPG, you can sign up for the Captain My Captain mailing list, and I am trying to use this mailing list to convince publishers that there is interest in this game. So if you listen to this week's episode, if you like what you hear, you can head over, sign up for that mailing list, and I can say, look, I have this many hundred people who would like to buy this game if it were available. That is all I intend to use the mailing list for. The only time that you will hear anything from the mailing list is when I have secured a publisher, when I have previews to share, and when the game is available for purchase. So once again, if you like what you hear this week and you'd like to help me out, just head over to bit.ly slash captain RPG. Otherwise, I dearly hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I am mostly trying to keep the intros and mid-rolls short and sweet because I am days away at most from having a baby. I could be called away by my spouse and have us rush to the hospital really any day now. Um, so... Before we get started, I just wanted to thank everyone uh, listening out there. Uh, if you are a listener, if you are a Patreon backer, you are one of the reasons that I am able to start a family now. We're in a financially stable enough position, and I have flexible hours in my job, uh, which will allow me to do a lot of the primary caregiving for this child, and I am so extremely grateful for that. And that's definitely a note that I wanted to touch on and a thing that I wanted to thank everyone for as we head into the holiday season. So with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. And we've got another week of all new voices to the One Shot podcast. Uh, Let's get things started off with Cassie. Cassie, welcome to One Shot. Hi, glad to be here. I am Cassie, they, them pronouns. I am in, coming to you from Chicago and I run the Woke Mental Wellness podcast. We just finished our first season of Windy City Demons, which was an actual play of the 12 Inner Demons game with an all black, all queer cast. And we juxtapose playing the game with our conversations about mental wellness. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker and therapist and a contractor with the Take This organization, as well as a writer on Into the Motherlands. That is so much cool stuff. Uh, We we have a a show on the network called Session Zero, where we have uh, two people who work in different uh, parts of the psychology field talking about the intersection of psychology and games. So I'm just so jazzed to find out that there's another show uh, that picks up on both of those themes and puts them together. That's rad. Yes, I know at least one of the people on that podcast. Oh, cool, cool. 
I love working with people for the first times and even more finding out that they already know all of my friends. <laughs> it's great, right? It, it really is. This space is very large, but also extremely small. Cassie, I, I have to know, we, we are playing Captain My Captain today, and there is a bit of a pirate theme. I don't want to, you know, marry us to that theme right now. I'd love for people to feel creatively free to do whatever they like. But because there's a pirate theme, I want to know if you were a pirate, what would your hat look like? I think that I would have a musketeer hat. So it would be like a wide brim, but curled up only on one side. And that one side would have a plume of both really colorful feathers, maybe like peacock feathers and stuff, but also like a couple of like bones. Ooh, I like it. I like it. It's glamorous, yet a little rough and tumble. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's great. I cannot wait to see what you do with this game. But before we get there, we, we do have to meet the rest of our cast. And next up is Gliza. Gliza, welcome to One Shot. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, I am Gliza, a person with many hats. I am a podcast host. I am a writer. I am a TTRPG player, and that's why I'm here. But um, <laughs> my podcast is called Classical Adventures for One. It is a podcast that delves into classic books and the impact that it has in all media till today. I work with different podcasters that voice act, and I'm actually working on season two right now, where we'll be exploring Poirot Investigates and Agatha Christie. So I'm excited to bring that out to you. But in the meantime, while you're waiting, season one is out, and I talk about Alice's Adventures in Wonderland there. In the website, which I will be sharing later, it has different artists that drew for me to show what uh, what they interpret about Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, because my podcast is not just for the ears it's also for the eyes so if you uh, want to check that out i will be plugging all my links later but today i am a trpg player and i play a lot of different characters i am known for whatever reason to be a character that has a lot of secrets i somehow end up choosing characters with secret identities and most of them have already been revealed in some shows not all of them but they have been revealed in a lot of them but yeah you can find all of my links in bio.link forward slash classical gliza for all the channels that i do the shows my podcast follow me on twitter as at classical gliza because i'm really active on there all of my announcements go on there and also i shit post a lot and i think i'm hilarious so you should really <laughs> check me out over there <laughs> as do all frequent shit posters so yeah that's that that tracks i am so glad that that we have somebody on the show who's known for doing characters that have a lot of secrets that is a fascinating combination with this game type i really can't wait to see where we go with that but before we move on to our next guest i need to know if you were a pirate what would your hat look like so my hat would definitely look like a paper hat, you know, like one of those kids that would make a hat, um, you know, big, big paper hat. And basically that would be my hat. It looks like it could easily be blown away by the wind, but it's a lot sturdier when you actually look at it. And it's been drawn on by a lot of children. So that is the hat that I like if I were a pirate, a very childish looking hat, 
possibly made by a, a younger kid that just, you know, really, really thought it was an impressive piece of artwork and gave it to me, the pirate. And that is my hat. I love this pirate that, like, has a good casual relationship with children to the point where the kids are, like, giving them gifts and also is like, yeah, I'll wear that. Yes. <laughs> I'll wear that and make that a part of my identity. <laughs> hey, that rules. Love love the creativity of that. Can't wait to unpack more of that. But before we get to the game, we have one more voice to introduce, and that is Brandy Rose. Brandy, welcome to One Shot. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am Brandy Rose. You can find me on Twitter at the Brandy Rose, which is also a place where I used to ship post more, and uh, now I had a sudden realization that I'm only one degree of separation away from a lot of the cast of the anime that I should post about, and I can <laughs> no longer talk about wanting to, you know, <clears throat> endeavor without, you know, his voice actor maybe seeing it. So now I should post a little bit less, I should a little bit more carefully, but if you want to see me play people that don't have to be careful at all or some people that are just sweet beans and don't need to be careful naturally. I am on several ongoing campaigns, some that I can mention that are easy to find because they're currently uh, usually at the top of my Twitter, Lords of Faerun or Glenwood Unhallowed or Gods of Color, which is currently also premiering exclusively on the Patreon. The link for that is also on my page. My Twitter has my link tree in it, but Mostly people know me from bouncing around one shots, doing a lot of guest appearances, a lot of things with Utopia. I'm currently producing something with Transplanter RPG. Everybody should follow them. I'm also producing TTRPGs that are going to be on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash cutispatoot. But most people know me from my podcasts slash my not self-proclaimed from fans lovingly given title of Podcast Empire. I currently have four shows running, Intricate Rituals. It is a podcast that is co-hosted with my friend Livia at Area 51 Love Doll, and we are two non-binary lesbians who look at queerness in sports anime. Every four episodes, we do a different sports anime. It is moderately unhinged. We do a lot of deep dives. I have used the same methodology on some episodes that I have used in my PhD, so definitely worth a listen, airs every Sunday. Then I have Cringe Warning, which is a pop culture and anime podcast, airs twice a week, as well as Eat Crit, a TTRPG podcast that highlights accessibility and diversity in the TTRPG space. Both of those shows have an episode weekly with a guest in their respective industries where we get to talk about how they got into nerddom and the pipeline between getting into nerddom and the way that they professionally engage in it today. Depending on, of course, is anime, is it comics? We've had comic book publishers, we've had game designers, we've had voice actors, we've had really you name it. If it's nerdy and it gets paid, we've had them. I'm very excited to announce that this is Cringe Warning's second season and Eat Crit's first season. They're both doing really well. And then they also each have solo episodes where I play games on Cringe Warning. I play a game that I designed called First Impressions that you can play along with me. Now that people can grab a copy for free or for a dollar on my itch, which is cutispatoot.itch.io, where I also publish TTRPGs that I write as well because I am also a game designer. And on Ecrit solo episodes, we highlight BIPOC indie creators by playing through and reviewing a different micro TTRPG every single week. So those are the podcasts. If you look up Brandy Rose on Spotify, they will all pop up. But of course, you can find them all separately. And then I also run Cam Girl Interrupted, which is my longest running podcast. It's on its third season. And we, I think, 
either this week or n- early next week we will hit 10,000 downloads which is insane congratulations um, very flattering thank you i'm super excited everybody has been really great that is a resource podcast for adult industry and adult entertainers especially for uh, affectionately known baby sex workers to make sure that they don't make any of the mistakes that starting out that a lot of us who've been in the game a little bit longer made so yeah apart from that if you want to support literally anything i do i produce streams i write i make things people like them thank god you can visit patreon.com slash bucket productions that's b-u-c-k-i-t productions because i famously can't say fuck it on a legal document but i can say bucket so bucket productions yes you can support me there you can follow me on twitter at the brandy rose and it'll have all of my links the games i design the shows that i make and i am for hire to consult and create podcasts host them as well as consult on game design and work as a professional tm Listeners, I I do want you to know that before we started recording, because I'm meeting really everybody for the first time, working with them for the first time for this episode, when Brandy finished describing all of the things they do inside me, deep in my soul, I felt so exhausted just contemplating juggling that workload. So I'm extremely impressed, uh, and I definitely recommend everybody head out to that Patreon. I cannot imagine any amount of money that you could pay me to do that much work. I'm just too (laughs) spiritually lazy. But I do, before we jump into playing this game, I do want to know, Brandy, if you were a pirate, what would your hat look like? I've had the most time to sit with this, but I knew the answer immediately. The visual popped into my head. Okay. It is a white cowboy hat with pink glittery cow spots, like cow print, but for a strawberry cow with glitter. And the end of it is trimmed with that cheap Dollar Tree white faux feather trim that has bits of shiny iridescent tinsel sticking out of it that like itches if you touch it. Mm -hmm. And that is all around the rim. And it has, instead of normal tassels to tighten it under your chin, it just has two completely functionally useless decorative rhinestone chains Mm. hanging from it. And that is my pirate hat. Gorgeous. Thank you. Wow. I thinking about this particular crew of pirates and what their lives must be like. I I, I want to ask so many follow-up questions about the hats, but I really do need to keep us in the game space. So we're about to play Captain My Captain, which is a Descended from the Queen game that I have designed. For those listeners who might be hopping on for the first time, the Descended from the Queen format comes from the tremendous For the Queen designed by Alex Roberts. It is a lovely game type. You know, right now it has actually gone through so many hacks and designs for other people like coming in and taking a look at the format that I don't want to make any broad claims about it. But in my experience, Descended from the Queen games are about exploring your relationship, everybody at the table's relationship with a central figure at the heart of the game. And for this game, that figure will be the captain. I am going to read the introduction here. You are part of a crew led by a legendary captain. Recently, though, you've fallen on hard times, missing prizes, taking losses, and struggling with dwindling supplies. The captain has emerged with a plan that promises to turn everything around, with a prize that will allow everyone on the crew to retire, if they choose. It requires a perilous journey where the captain must be accompanied by a small landing party. And you have been selected for this party. 
because the captain knows that you believe in them. And that's the introduction to the game. The way the game will be played is I have a pile of cards here with questions on them. We will take turns answering the questions written on these cards. After someone has answered a question, we are all free to ask follow-up questions to get more details about that answer if we're so moved. It might be that they answer the question and their answer is so fantastic it blows us all away and we, we have no follow-up questions, but often we'll be left with lingering, burning curiosities that that person can decide to indulge or not indulge. We will go around until we have drawn our final card, which will have a question that everyone will answer. And the whole game is kind of an investigation of how we will answer that question. Unlike for the Queen, this game has different final questions based on kind of the tone of play. And based on the conversations I had with people off mic, I think what we're going to do is when we reach our, our final question card, I will take a quick poll of the room and see what everybody wants tonally. And we'll go with that final question. The other things that are important to note is if you encounter a question that you don't think fits your character or you just don't want to answer, but you would like to see someone else answer, you can always call it to that person and go, hey, I would like to see you answer this question instead. And we will redirect that question over to them. And of course, you know, with safety mechanics, if there is a question that you're like, oh, I would actually just not like this question to be in the game. Then we can simply remove that question, draw the next card, and resume play. With that, is there anyone who would like to go first? I'm an overachiever. I'll go first. Cassie, I love it. You're, <laughs> you're getting a gold star already. So yes! I'm very happy to report that. And your question is, what is something you have seen the captain do that you know should be impossible? Sometimes... At night, I stay up really late, later than I should, because normally I get up early in order to do things and have quiet time, but sleep, sleep on this ship, especially lately, it's been really hard, and the captain's quarters, sometimes they glow, and I, at first, you know, it's the captain, I don't want to overstep my bounds, I don't want to you know, be accused of anything. Things have been rough. I'm not, I'm not trying to start anything here, but that glow, that eerie blue glow. And so after a couple of nights, I started staying up on purpose. And eventually I cracked the door. Captain wasn't paying any attention. And um, I saw the captain disappear and then I couldn't believe my eyes and after a few moments the glow came back and the captain was back with a bag and I I ran I stopped staying up or at least if I was up I was in my bunk I don't know what it is the captain is doing or messing with I don't know if that's what's befallen us but that is an unnatural, unnatural ability, unnatural glow. I like this a lot. My, my question to you, you, you mentioned this glow, and you also mentioned the captain disappearing. Is it 
that something in the captain's quarters is glowing even when the captain is not present? Or is that glow associated with the appearance and disappearance of the captain? The captain is glowing. The The glow is, it happened as the captain was starting to dissipate and then starting to come back. And it was like from the captain's own self. How, so you mentioned it happened a while back. How long did it take for you to find the courage to actually peek in and see what was happening? I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a scaredy cat or anything. It, it only, it only took me like three nights or, you know, maybe, maybe five. Interesting. Huh. Was there any noise associated with the disappearance or was it silent? It was an eerie silence. You'd think something like that would make some kind of a noise, a whole grown person disappearing, but no, just an eerie silence and a blue glow. Obviously, this is something that you witnessed at night, and it let such an impression on you that you decided not to investigate it any further after seeing what it was that happened. But surely during the day, there have been moments where you think you see a blue glow around the ship. And I must know, how do you react to that? And how often do you think you see it in places where it probably really isn't happening? You know, I look. Anybody would look. You can't blame me for looking. I might grip my sword a little tighter but you know it it's the daytime those those things wouldn't happen in the daytime right right well i love that very much <laughs> i also love how immediately defensive cassie's character is of themselves <laughs> i didn't do anything wrong <laughs> gliza your question, what did the captain tell you that still fills you with hope? He said that one day I will be able to come home. Honestly, even I have, writ have decided that, you know, there are days where I've written that down, written it away, and just turned my back on it. I just don't think I could ever come home after everything. But he says I can at some point. He believes in me. And you know what? Sometimes I believe in me too because of him. That gives me hope. But right now, because of all the hardships that we're going through, you know, it's hard. It's hard. But every time he looks at me and every time he smiles at me, I remember the words. And maybe I will someday come home. Is this the ca something the captain said to you only once or something that that he's reminded you of a couple times? It's always during the times where I'm feeling a little foolhardy and a little reckless. He always reminds me that I'm unable to come home if I'm dead. And I would like to tell him that that's not true. I can always do a lot of things. But he always 
reminds me that whenever I feel a little reckless, whenever he feels like I should slow down and calm down, he says, there's still home, you know, there's still home. So he, he says that a lot, actually, because I am quite foolhardy, I think. Was there ever a moment where the captain thought you were too foolhardy and that felt less like a promise and more like a like a threat? You know what? There are days when when I push a little too hard with him, or I joke around a little too hard, or move past the line a little too much. And the words no longer have that. Well, it's the same words, but they're not as hopeful. They're more of a warning. I wouldn't say a threat. He's never really threatened me. But more of a warning of like, if you do this, how can you expect to come home? But, you know, something something different. It's the same words, but I never... Now that you mention it, it does happen. and. When it does, I, I feel like ice in my blood. And whatever it is that I was planning to do, whatever mischievous thing that I was attempting to do, it freezes me up and I don't do it. And with like a blink of an eye, he's back to his normal, hopeful, jolly self. What is it that you did for the captain that made you think you couldn't go home? Oh, well, it was actually nothing for the captain. I was running away from home. Lots of people looking for me. I don't really want to be found. And the captain helped me hide. I don't know. Honestly, it's been such a long time. I don't know which is truth and which is just a story I made up. But the captain has provided a safe haven for me. I would die for that man because he has helped me. I'm curious, you mentioned the pushing boundaries with the captain, the, the captain changing suddenly away from this jovial persona that it seems that you've come to associate with the captain as, as his primary way of being. Do you usually know when you're close to a boundary or or does it catch you off guard? Is it surprising to you when these changes happen? It catches me off guard, to be honest, because I've been with the captain for so long. I feel like I know him so well. I feel like there are things that I know I shouldn't talk about and there are things that I know I can get away with. And I feel like I should know him better. And yet when these things happen, it takes me by surprise because I didn't think it would be something that would, you know, be upsetting to him. Especially that one night. That one night. I don't think I'm ready to talk about that one night yet, though. I think it's good to leave it there for now. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, once again, I'm going to remind you, if you like what you hear and you would like Captain My Captain to be a game that you can purchase... 
You can help me make that a reality by heading to bit.ly slash CaptainRPG and signing up for my mailing list. I'm trying to gather a mailing list in order to convince potential publishers that there is interest in this game. The more people I have on my list, the more likely publishers will be to pick up this game because they know there are people out there who will buy it. The only things I intend to use this list for are let you know when I have secured a publisher, send you previews of the game as it is in production, and of course, let you know when it is officially available to buy. I'm in talks with one publisher already, and I think a robust mailing list would really help me seal the deal. This is a game that I truly love. I have playtested a great deal, and I would be so excited if I could bring it to market. Once again, the address for that mailing list is bit.ly slash captainrpg. Before we get back to the show, a huge thank you to our backers on Patreon. Without you, I would not be in the very fortunate position in life that I happen to occupy right now. I'm so dearly grateful to everyone who's contributed to that. You not only help us produce this show and help me live my life, but you help everyone who's a part of the One Shot Network, including our editor, Tracy Barnett, and our many other wonderful shows that we provide you uh, through the airwaves. So if you like what you're hearing and you would like to be a part of that, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to be a backer. For the next couple of weeks, we are going to be putting up the final pieces of the campaign Skyjack's Azure Blues arc starring myself, Patrick Rothfuss and Amy Vorpal. I think we did some incredible work in the back half of this series, and you definitely don't want to miss it. Part four is up now, and part five is going to be coming out this week. So be sure to subscribe at the $5 level or more. Thanks to everyone who's backed already, and everyone who's going to back in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. Which brings us to Brandy's question. The captain trusts you. When did you abuse that trust? Ooh. Well, I've been with the captain pretty much my whole life, or anyway, the part of it that matters. And uh, I've definitely learned from that experience. But when I was younger, much, much younger, young enough to be forgiven, I definitely abused that trust one time and one time only when the captain trusted me to lead some of the other younger in the crew on a very simple supplies run. And I was told to go straight in, supplies, straight out, don't talk, don't mingle, don't make any trouble. I definitely got us arrested within the first 20 minutes on land and the captain had to break us out of the jail cell. He was not amused. He was very disappointed. (laughs) And um, he left me there for a couple hours, did the surprise run with the others himself. And then came back to get me before we left. Did did you believe that he was just going to leave you there and not come back? I didn't believe it, but I did think it for a moment. And then I felt really guilty for doubting him so much that I thought one mistake would cost me 
the affection that he has built up for me over the years. But I knew, I knew he would come back for me. And I believed that he would come back for me even when I had a moment when I didn't think it the whole time. I I remember that I was with you on that run. It was um it was an interesting run. But my question is, why did you talk to that shopkeeper? He looked like an easy target. Pickpocketing's usually a pretty easy thing to do. Look here, talk there, grab watch, out. I thought it would be easy and I was young and maybe kind of wanted to uh, show off a little bit. I've been honing my skills. Um, I've been becoming better. You know, Sticky Fingers Steve have been giving me some uh, some lessons and I wanted... Love to, Sticky Fingers Steve. Right? He is so nice. He is so nice. It's It should be illegal how nice that man is. It's It's alarming. Really. I don't if I didn't know it was Sticky Fingered Steve, I would I would not trust it. But I wanted I wanted to show that I could do it, that I could pull off a harder target, a target that's more aware. I did not think that he would have an extra set of eyes because I did not think this man was a witch. But unfortunately, I also didn't realize the town we docked in had a lot of magic and that he literally had eyes all over his, his shop. I did not see them when we walked inside and um regretted it pretty quickly did the captain ever put you in a position of responsibility again yes but it took several long talks and then he made me talk about my feelings and motivations and uh, honestly, that took about six months of weekly conversations uh, in, uh, in his quarters after dinner. And he wouldn't give me a position of responsibility until I opened up. But he didn't tell me that that was the criteria. So for me, I spent six months stewing quietly after dinner, avoiding questions. And making it harder on myself in the long run. And then when I finally did crack, I was given the position of responsibility two days later again to lead a supply run, which I did without incident. All right. What broken thing has the captain made whole and did it deserve their pity? This ship is full of broken things. I don't know that I'd be able to say that any of us have been made whole. You don't find your way to this ship because everything's all right with you. The folks who come aboard as hands initially are the sort of people who look a bit too scrawny, too soft, too weak for other ships. And I wouldn't say the captain isn't discerning. There are certainly people who want to be a part of this crew, <laughs> after all. He's a legend. I would say that the captain is discerning in a different way. He looks past all of the scrapes and what I think some people would see as weakness 
and he looks into your eyes and he sees what you could be, what you could be if the world wasn't holding you back or spitting in your face. If you were given the respect and the care that you deserve, come back to that part of the question, deserve. Do we deserve his pity? I can't speak for the others. I can only speak for myself. But I don't think we do. The captain, the captain with his skills, the captain with his abilities, with the things that I have seen him do, he could achieve anything. Even the wild dreams that he talks about when we're all opening bottles around a fire. He talks about incredible things. Things that other people would be afraid to even speak aloud. He says with a laugh in his voice. And yet he's chosen to surround himself with us. With the people who are left over. He could walk into any port and order the strongest hands, the wisest advisors, the most educated people in the port to drop everything and join him. And they would. They would in an instant. You can't hear that man's voice and not follow his commands. But instead, he has chosen us, the people that he has to spend months talking to. To, to advise us away from doing foolish things that we should see immediately not to do. He takes his time thinking about us and how to teach us our little lessons to build us into the crew, into the crew that we are, that has achieved the things that we have. I couldn't say that anyone deserves that kind of devotion save maybe the captain himself, which is why I make it my duty to pay it back, to pay it back as much as I'm able. And I have every bit of faith that the captain will push me to be able to give more when he needs it. So what has the captain done to help unbreak you? I used to think that I wasn't I wasn't someone that should be around other people. It's easier for me to do things that you shouldn't do. I know this because when I tell the stories, it's so easy to sense other people grow quiet, grow chilled. And when he found me, I was, I was set to hang for those crimes. But it turns out that even for a person like me, that can be useful. Those impulses, if they're pointed in the right direction, it can be easy for me to do things that people wouldn't imagine doing to people that really deserve it. I know that it shouldn't be easy to act that way. I, I know even the captain doesn't like talking to me, doesn't like associating with me, but the captain has needs. The captain sometimes needs unpleasant things to be done, and therefore the captain has a hand that will do unpleasant things. I'm not fixed 
but I'm leashed. And that is more functional than the wild thing that I used to be. I know that you love him as much as I love him, but does he terrify you sometimes? The captain is the only thing that has ever scared me. When I was waiting in those gallows, hearing the ringing of bells, knowing that any day could be my day to step above that platform and hear my crimes read against me before the lever was pulled and I was set to die to the onslaught of cheers from all the people who have come to look at me as a monster. I'll admit that back before I met the captain, before I was caught, I enjoyed it when people looked at me that way. I like the feeling of power that came with it, knowing that people looked at me, looked at me like something that, that shouldn't exist, like something strong, something unnatural. And I never felt fear for anything, not, not the authorities who eventually tracked me down and beat me until they could force me into that cell to await my destruction. And then the captain pulled me from that cell, and my eyes met his, and I looked at him the way I looked at everyone else I had ever met in my life, like he was prey like he was some quarry that I could decide to pounce upon if the whim struck me. And the look that I got back immediately let me know that if I were to attack this man, I would not survive, that I would be destroyed in a way that is so much more complete than any hangman's noose could ever do. People like us, people like me and the captain, we can tell when we're around one another. And please don't mistake me. Don't mistake that I am comparing myself to the captain. I just know how people look at him. They don't look at him in the same way they look at someone like me. But there is something else there when people look at both of us. I know that he is an incredible person. Cassie, the captain keeps an oath, even in the face of outrageous fortune. What cherished thing has this cost him? Our captain, he absolutely forbids himself or us from harming children. And he keeps to it, no matter what, because... There's, you know, there's some people who, real nefarious, ugly types, they use kids to do their bidding. And so we were coming off a hall, feeling pretty good. It was, it was a good one. We got a lot out clean. We were all going to have a huge payday. And then there's this kid, maybe, barely a kid in my opinion, but still like, 10 but a big 10 and this kid comes up up to the ship oh i like your ship and the captain was all sweet and 
the smiles and everything, gives the, the kid a handful of candy, brings him on the ship, you know, has some of us uh, show this kid around and everything. One day, maybe you'll be on a crew like this and all fatherly and, and, and sort like that. And then this kid gets to sneaking around, looking around places the kid shouldn't have been. And, you know, I, I see this kid grab him by the scruff, pull him away, ask the captain what to do. Captain says, let him go. I'm not about to question the captain. That's a bad thing to do. So let the kid go. Kid scampers off, disappears. We never did find the captain's locket. Kid took it. Normally, captain would be furious. It was a kid, and he didn't even go after him. For a man so feared, so stern, so strong, so unnatural in his own way, you'd think he'd have gone after the kid. We've seen scarier things than a ten-year-old, big or not. And yet, nah, let him go, probably needed it. Wish, I don't know. Wish somebody maybe would have said something like that about me, but who am I to question the captain, I suppose? I just, captain was really tied to that locket and no one else could touch it. Kid takes it and nothing. Seems a bit odd, but it's the oath, it's the code. We all live by it, captain lives by it. Gotta respect it. I honestly respect him for it. Was just a kid after all. Probably would have gotten all sorts of trouble if come back empty-handed. If the captain were the type of person to order you to discipline a child, would you have done it? We all have our places in the world. And, you know, we all do some unsavory things in our line of work. So, yeah, I'd have done it. I mean... Kids stole from the captain. I mean, that that's just, you don't do it. You don't do that sort of thing. And if you do, you, you reap the consequences. I've reaped consequences in my life, kid or not a kid. You grow up, you reap the consequences, or you do something bad enough and you don't grow up. It's, it's the world. It's a rotten world, but it's the only one we have. So, yeah, I'd have done it. Especially, I mean, what am I going to do? Say say no to the captain with his unnatural glow and his power and his, his demeanor. Half the, half the crew to stab me in the back in an instant with a glance at his eye. Of course I'd have done it. And the kid would have deserved it. Probably wouldn't have gotten nothing but like a smack on the hand anyway. So I'm not terribly concerned about the fact that, you know, he would have disciplining a kid that's that's what you do kids need to kids need discipline so that yeah i'd have done it you'd have done it too i did do it i was 16 when he left me in jail <laughs> see yeah but you did you know you did deserve that one yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i did you did you really did you really got a check for eyes it's just 
how was I supposed to know people have eyes in their palms? Who has an eye on a part of their body? Why would you do that? Unnatural. Don't like messing with it. But yeah. How old were you when you joined the captain? I don't remember. <clears throat> My age doesn't matter. <laughs> we're here now. Love that answer. Absolutely love that answer. I'm going to start speaking to people. My age life. doesn't matter. <laughs> we're all here now. I'm here now. <laughs> That's how I introduce myself now. That is absolutely what two kids in a trench coat trying to get into an R-rated movie say. I'm here now. Why does age matter? Money. Yes. Like, just accept my money, man. Third hand comes out of the middle of the trench coat with bunched up cash. Don't question it, man. Says a voice from your stomach. Gliza, what person that the captain betrayed... Did you know well? Nobody else really knows this. And he doesn't really talk about it. He was in love once. It was a whirlwind. And I never thought he was the type to really fall in love with anyone. I mean, sure, I think he loves us. I think, in his own way. But this was different. He would visit him every night we were docked there. He never brought him back, but... One night I did follow the captain to this place. You know when the captain smiles and it's a genuine happy smile where he doesn't have to think about problems and money and statistics and which town will go next. It's just a normal unburdened smile. I saw it that night. They were dancing. I've never seen the captain dance until that night, and I never have afterwards. I for sure thought he would bring him back. I don't even know his name. I just thought that, you know, captain would probably bring this this man back to us. Introduce us, maybe. The next morning, on the morning that we left, we'd been there for about a month in that island. Abruptly, we had to leave. and. As we were running out, as we were, you know, packing our ships to go, I see, I see him and the captain arguing. Nobody else saw. Which is really strange because the captain usually draws attention to himself just by his stature. Nobody really saw him in that alley arguing with this man. This man looks at me at that one moment as I'm staring at him. And I guess the captain saw who he was looking at. And before anything could happen, the captain stabs him and he leaves. He looks at me knowing what I've seen. And he doesn't really say anything. We just leave the island. That's, I think, the only time I've ever saw him dance. I couldn't bring myself to ask him who he was or why we stayed there that long or why he stabbed him. But I think that must count as a sort of betrayal, don't you think? Now this is really interesting because part of the question is, did you know well? So you've said that the captain didn't bring this person back to the ship and you've danced around the idea that 
Nobody on the ship but the captain really knew this person. But you did. Who were they to you? He's a man from my dreams. Maybe from before. From before. But I couldn't tell anybody that. I couldn't. I don't remember a lot of the things from my past before the captain. He was a man from my dreams. I know his face, but I don't know his name. All I know was that when that man saw me looking at him, we recognized each other. And when the captain looked back at me, the captain stabbed him. A part of me feels like maybe it's something to protect me or protect us. I don't know. But that's all I can really tell you. You've talked about the captain promising that you could go home. Do you know where home is? Just, just the place. Just the name of the island. I don't really know much. I was just a child. I know that I had to run away. That was clear in my mind. I had to run away. Leanor. That's the name of the island. But that's it, really. That's all I remember. Did you hear any, like, snippets? Because you heard them arguing. Did you hear any words? Honestly, I wish I did, but there were a lot of angry dogs. And I couldn't hear anything over the barking. Brandy. Mm Mm-hmm. On this journey, you shared a moment of tenderness with the captain. Was it everything you wanted? This is embarrassing. I've been on this ship since I was, like, I don't even know, eight, seven, something. We, you know, some of us have been here since we were kids, and, you know, you grow up and, and... You know, grow up on a boat in the middle of the ocean or on, uh, you know, several islands back to back. And like some ports you revisit with some regularity because they won't arrest you and you can get supplies. And uh, sometimes if you are a little older and you've learned your lesson by spending some hours in jail, you're allowed to do supply runs alone to some of the ports that are, like, super familiar to you. And maybe you see someone frequently and you hang out with them sometimes and they give you extra supplies for free because they're nice. And you grow, like, to not totally hate their guts or whatever. And they end up having lives while you're on the ocean doing cool pirate shit. And they are now are like maybe in a you know, shop, maybe maybe like the butcher's shop, and um, maybe you come back on a supply run, and it's been a few months, and uh, you see them with somebody else, and that is not fun feeling. And so like maybe you're like eighteen, and that's never happened before, and you get a little uh, confused. And you get a little lost, even though you've been in the city a lot of times. And, um, you know, luckily, uh, you look a little bit, you know, older and you end up finding, like, a nice dark place to sit. And uh, nobody bothers you. 
and you just kind of have, you know, your like yearly emotion or whatever. And uh, Captain maybe found someone in that uh, situation and kind of uh, guided them through it a little bit. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. And, like, maybe one of the lessons you take from it is uh, to not trust Butcher's Daughters because they're all lying snakes. Apologies to any Butcher's Daughters out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Butcher's Daughter. Unless what? they're lying snakes. In which yeah, case, unless like, you happen to be yeah, a lying no, snake. <laughs> in which case, we got you dead to rights. <laughs> to a T. But, so, okay, maybe that was, like, a few years ago and the captain helped a little bit with that conversation and also maybe the captain didn't tell anybody about it which was really pretty nice of, of them <clears throat> how did the captain help you feel better well maybe I had some moisture in my face uh, some leaking going on in the eyeball region and uh eyeball sweat yeah eyeball sweat you know it it all happens it happens happens to all of us sometimes a lot and um the captain you know wiped away my eyeball sweat and basically uh told me that that was just part of the deal of being a pirate is uh relationships between the ocean and land don't last because the tides come in and go out. The tides don't stay on the shore. So, you know, on the ocean, currents intermingle constantly. They're always somewhere around each other, but we don't stay on land. And that helped me understand a bit better the life that I've chosen. This episode of One Shot features epic pirate theme by Ross Bugden. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back next week with more Captain My Captain. In the meantime, be sure to check out one of the other amazing shows here on the One Shot Network. Like A Horror Borealis. A Horror Borealis is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska, just south of the nation's least visited national park and way north of everything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger with a strong local book club following find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing.
and stay for the beloved local diner. You can find A Horror Borealis on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. Heroes, I'd like to urge you to go out and call your representatives. Calling a representative is a great way to directly advocate for an issue. It's a way that many elected officials keep a temperature of what their constituents are looking for, and because not many people do it, an individual caller can make a huge difference. When I call my representatives, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There you can find a list of issue summaries from around the country, along with contact information for your reps and scripts to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. Calling is quick, and it can make a vital difference. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.